Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast's half-full editor. Joining me always is my colleague and co-host, David Weinberg. How are you, Dave? I'm all right. Yourself? Feeling pretty good. Um, we are celebrating a special occasion that is uh, definitely near and dear to our hearts and, and I think a lot of our listeners. Um, <laughs> I, I think a, a holiday that... Probably doesn't, you know, doesn't show up on my Google calendar, doesn't, you know, warrant card giving, but maybe one day. But Yeah, I mean, it's just wrong. It's it's underappreciated. Underappreciated. But so Dave and I, you know, we encourage you, our listeners out there and uh, and your friends, to celebrate Bald and Bond Day, which is uh, March 3rd, 1897, which, uh, you know, was a, actually a very huge milestone in whiskey history, in American whiskey history, and um, something that sort of fell out of favor over the last couple of decades and just sort of, you know, or, or at least people don't really understand mm-hmm. what it meant for, you know, for a while. And, and now it's kind of coming back. Well, I mean, it's not only a milestone in American whiskey history, in, in American history in general, because it's the first Amen. real uh, consumer protection regulation Amen. Preach. to yeah. say that, you know, what you're paying money for is what you're getting. Uh, what because, a novel idea. <laughs> I, know, I know. It seems to be falling out of favor these days, Preach. but in some circles, but uh, I'm, I'm old fashioned and I kind of believe that I should get what I pay for, you know. And especially when it comes to whiskey. We touched upon this a couple of episodes ago. There's definitely a current nostalgia for, you know, the early days of, you know, whiskey in America mm-hmm. and other countries. And what people often kind of forget is that there was a lot of chicanery going yeah. on during that period, you know, in the 1800s where, you know, went from, you know, basically people making spirits, whiskey, whatever it was on their farms, you know, selling it to their friends, neighbors, drinking it themselves. So then, like, you know, a point where, you know, a lot of the distillers are producing and they're being collected by, you know, um, well, rectifiers. You, or, you or know, like, uh, it was the Industrial Revolution. And right. early in the century, they figured out how to make uh, – they figured out the column still that lets you make neutral spirits at incredible volume uh, at a fraction of the cost of making stuff the old-fashioned way. And, then, and, and so suddenly whiskey is like <laughs> neutral spirits plus something that makes it taste like whiskey. Right. And, and you know, in, in a lot of the old cocktail books, there are, you know, both recipes for drinks, but also recipes for the sort of imitation whiskey. Right? Mm-hmm. So where you're making scotch or bourbon or rye and it's basically neutral grain spirit or what we would call now Everclear or vodka, and yeah. and basically you're you know coloring it with things like creosote or nutshells or prune juice was even was probably the most uh, innocuous right. <laughs> I, I, you you would pray that it was prune yeah, juice exactly. That's, uh, you know, mm. So you never knew exactly what you were drinking. It got to a point where you know the people who were actually making whiskey, you know, it's it very hard to sell real whiskey. You know, in a market that was dominated with all this crap, basically, that was called whiskey. So. And some of the crap was being sold at high prices. So right. you couldn't even tell by that. Some people put it in fancy packaging. and uh, Exactly. And you made all kinds of claims about it. I mean, there was a brand, Duffy's Pure Malt Whiskey, right? Which was supposedly <laughs> the healthiest uh, whiskey in America. It turns out there was no malt in it. <laughs> why, why would you get that idea? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. know. Just why because it's you? called Pure Malt, that doesn't oh, mean we have to put malt in it. No, no. <laughs> Not at all. There was all kinds of stuff like that. So and then uh, it was terrible. So I, you know, one of the you know people who sort of you know got you know sort of you know was very against this idea and rallied um, 
you know, drinkers, the government was E.H. Taylor, um, Edmund Hayes Taylor, who was, you know, one of the leading whiskey distillers, um, in America in, in the 1800s. And he pushed probably harder than just about anybody else for this bottled and bond legislation to help clean up. Yeah, and he had an important ally in the government too, which was uh, Harvey Wiley, Absolutely. who was the government's chief chemist and a whiskey fan. And Harvey Wiley liked real whiskey. He he despised the fake stuff and thought that nobody should uh, have to pay for that. Uh, oh and, yeah, and and uh, the, between the two of them. They managed to to do something really good for people. Yeah, and and it was hard. I mean, they were kind of in a, a foxhole, you know, fighting against the whole you know army of people who didn't agree with them, and they both took a lot of heat. Um, yeah, there were very powerful moneyed interests against them. Absolutely. So speak, I mean, know? it's uh, most of the the industry was not for this idea because obviously no. it costs more, and it, you know, it was, it's harder to make real whiskey than than. Than imitation. <laughs> yeah, it favored a, a, a handful of, or maybe a large handful of, of, of old style distilleries who did things the proper way and made stuff from scratch and uh, and uh, and uh, and made an honest product. And uh, meanwhile, there were massive uh, facilities in in the, in the Midwest uh, that just processed grain into alcohol and uh in, into just you know neutral spirit at, right. at just insane volumes and those people had a lot of money we are joined today um by a very special guest um for this episode i can't think of anybody really better than um our friend here bo beckman who runs the buffalo traces single barrel program and he is let me get this right E.H. Taylor was your great-grandfather's great-grandfather. Correct. So you're, you're six right. generations yep. removed from E.H. Taylor. Yep. Never Still. hung out. <laughs> no, Never no. hung out. No. This, is, this is where, like, you know, where the, that small Venn diagram where math yeah. and, ans- you know, ancestry and whiskey come together. Usually best to do the math before the whiskey, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. we got that out of the way. I know a lot of people sometimes think that, that you've spent a lot of time with him, but I think maybe spiritually – yeah. Um, we've all yeah. spent a lot of time with the age Taylor. Well, welcome, Bo. Thank you for joining yeah. us today. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Appreciate it. In your family, obviously, Bald and Mon must have been like a frequent topic of conversation or, you know, and what, what E.H. Taylor did. Yeah. I mean, E.H. Taylor himself was the topic of conversation yeah. and really just, you know, he was a relentless visionary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, like you guys were saying, that are way ahead of their time like that are often – the rare person fighting against the the, the big people. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a lot of stuff that was, you know, so forward thinking. I mean, he was so, you know, beyond, you know, the, so ahead of the curve, you know, whether it's, you know, I remember doing research for my last book, The Art of American Whiskey, you know, sort of talking about the whole idea of, you know, for a long time, you know, whiskey wasn't sold in a bottle, right? I mean, there wasn't bottles as we know them today but you know barrels would be sold to local taverns and pubs and you know that was yeah they bottled stores and but they, the distillery you know, never bottled it right wow. and yeah. he did do things to sort of set his whiskey apart which was which was kind of amazing mm-hmm. like copper hoops and like branding and you know with the the barrel heads uh, with his oh, name yeah. so that people would would know who he was yeah i think that really if you look at what buffalo trace distillery is today that mm-hmm. was his vision yeah. He was just 120 years too early on it. He wanted yeah. to be tourism, an operating distillery, mm-hmm. the whole shebang. Not yeah, his just, distilleries were beautiful. Yeah, it's not a plant. All these amazing ads mm-hmm. that E.H. Taylor puts out over the years. And, you know, one, it's like, you know, we're made in a castle, you know, because, yeah. like, we care about, like, how things yeah. look, you know. Like, oh, <laughs> when your distillery looks like a castle, yeah. bourbon ought to be fit for a king. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And in himself, you know, we, you know, we're looking – 
so, you know, an old article. And, and I think even his obit, you know, it talks all about his clothing and, you know, mm-hmm. tailors from London and New York are coming. And, and that's a big trip. Wow. I mean, all the way. I mean, he lived in Frankfurt his whole life in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he was mayor of Frankfurt a couple of times, I believe. <laughs> He's the one that kept the capital in Frankfurt. Yeah. Wow. It probably should be in a little more election time. That's a right. different topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good for Frankfurt. Yeah. Look, yeah. He, he knew how to get things done. Yeah. Whether it was bottled in bond or getting the capital yeah. Yeah, yeah. in uh, Frankfurt. But Everything had to be the utmost class with him. Yeah. Dress, well, I mean, booze, everything. His his whiskey was also his other thing that now looks kind of visionary is he was a super traditionalist as far as I can tell. You know, yeah. he his his first big brand was Old Fire Copper and that was the old – that meant like it's made in a copper pot still over an open fire. Right. You know, and, and he, he – that was uh, that was really traditional. Meanwhile, other people were uh, the, the big Eastern Rye distilleries were using uh, steam steam distillation and wooden uh, chamber stills, which are great, but make a different kind of whiskey. Uh, and uh, a lot of other bourbon people were, had moved to big column stills mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, also steam. And he was still like trying to do it the old way, which I think mm-hmm. is uh, is really interesting. I think I think you really thought about the consumer a lot more than mm-hmm. other people were. And yeah. you know, Noah, the advertisements you're showing. You see, he's oh, yeah. the purist everywhere. Oh, yeah. 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 You know? And I mean, even the, the bottled in Mon, I mean, it's a term that, you know, was used. You could still find it, you know, a few years ago on, on a couple of different bottles, but like not, not that many. And it's not just whiskey. It could be rum and other stuff. But very rarely did you see it. And usually, oddly, those bottles weren't that expensive so they, they were you know, bottom shelf stuff practically but, but but i didn't really want to tell people about it you yeah know, like dave and i sadly sometimes reveal what we like and then mm-hmm. such tell. things become popular and then we can't buy it anymore if we can it's now yeah well, well five well, ten times yeah exactly five ten times as expensive but bottle and pot i mean it's it's one of these it's it's a real pain in the ass to make bottle and whiskey. I mean, it, the stack shoots, you know, are serious. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart to do it. I mean, it's and that's, it takes a certain level of, of uh, determination and patience. Absolutely, and, and patience yeah. means money. And just from it's an expensive. operational efficiency yeah. standpoint, it yeah. doesn't. It's not an easy thing to do and execute. Well, because it. I mean, the bond means it has to be in a warehouse, right? That ha- that was overseen yeah. by the government, yep. right? So. It's, you know, went right from the distillery into a bonded warehouse, two keys, one for the w- distiller, one for the government, right? And you weren't supposed to take the whiskey in and out. You couldn't add anything to it. It had to, to stay it. there. It had to stay there. It had to be 100 proof, which obviously the higher the proof, the more expensive it is mm-hmm. because you add water. Water's obviously a lot cheaper than whiskey. Lower the proof, more water. Mm-hmm. And like you said, at that time, no one knew you know, the proof might say something on the label, but right. you didn't know if that was actually yeah, yeah. the proof. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there was there was no, no mechanism to enforce uh, any any no. any of that language. The government said at the time, we can't guarantee that it's good whiskey, but we can kind of <laughs> sort of do it right. through the back, you know, the back door because it said it had to be four years old minimum, uh, distilled in the same distillery in the same season. So you can't right. like keep some stuff lying around. Same you can't distiller. Right. The same distiller. Exactly. You can't right. mix stuff. I mean, that's what they were really fighting against is is people just blending uh, stuff they made with yeah. cheaper stuff and other and and neutral spirit or anything whatever it had to be just exactly uh, it, they were practically saying like almost single barrel you know right. I mean that was kind of almost their ideal yeah. is it's just there's there's nothing was done to this it was put in there and then they 
took it out, they dumped it, and they added water to bring it down to 100 proof. And it wouldn't have been a lot of water either because uh, barrel entry proofs were lower then. And uh, and so it was uh, it was just barely adjusted and then yeah. out it goes. And I think part of the genius of the whole thing, which, you know, it's obvious what the consumer benefit is there. Right. There's also the distiller benefit, which is, hey, we're working hard to do the things the right way and we want mm-hmm. to make sure that people understand that. But what gets not looked at is the government benefit of doing this, which is now the distillers are incentivized to work closely with the government right. and pay taxes. Right. And historically with bourbon, that <laughs> yeah, was a yeah. crapshoot of arguing the taxes I think that spears all yeah. over the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, it is interesting. It almost – it used very closely to Wiley's definition of what whiskey was like, you mm-hmm. know, and – Almost, you're right, like kind of forcing distillers into a box to make the whiskey that he wanted. I imagine that E.H. Taylor and Wiley, you know, at least corresponded, you know, about, you know, what bottled and bond should be and, you know. and What was real whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, when you guys were talking at the beginning, I was learning a lot. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> what have they invited me here for? You guys know a whole lot. <laughs> uh, you're, you're please. Yeah. You're, you're, you've got, you've got E.H. Taylor's blood running through your veins. Yeah. We only have his whiskey in our veins. Yeah. <laughs> you actually have his blood. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it, it sounds very extreme, but like, you know, there's kind of amazing story that I found from, I think it was, uh, 1913 in the Washington Herald. And it was a column that had been syndicated like in other papers, but by Jacques Straub. And, and he had mm-hmm. written a pretty famous book on, on cocktails. Too, right? yeah. yeah, he wrote a cocktail, two, two editions of a cocktail book. And he says that according to Chief Chemist Wiley, like 85% of the whiskey is not really whiskey. That it's just labels, as he's saying, that you know, yeah. people would buy whiskey and they weren't sure if it was, you know, Taylor or whatever. And so, I mean, this, yeah. is, I mean, this is obviously a problem that continues. And I don't know how much the percent of distillers who went for the bottled and bond, but obviously – you could, you know, it, I mean, it was, you, you, it was a you choice. Could, you could track it in ads, and you yeah. see that the the the, the, the distillers who are already making serious whiskey were really happy about this. Yeah. you know, they loved it. Like Old Overholt was uh, oh, yeah. was you know the the leading sort of quality rye brand. Yeah. they immediately switched to bonded, and and only did bonded right. until mm-hmm. the 1960s thereafter. And, and you know, could. people like that did. Yeah, I mean, they, it wasn't a big deal. If no, they had the stocks. Right, right. Exactly. you know, and, probably, and they, they weren't doing anything wrong. Right. The people that probably got the bad end of the stake were the people that were rectifying but doing a good job. Yeah, right. exactly. That's and there too. were people like that. Yeah. And there that, were good blended whiskeys. Yeah. People get lost right. with that. Yeah. I mean, in America today, we still have, you know, we have, you know, straight whiskeys, obviously. We have blended, which is not so great. And it, thankfully, it's sort of a category that's kind of dying. And then now you have almost a new category of blended straight whiskeys, mm-hmm. which you're right. I mean, there were probably, there were probably some. Oh, there were a lot of those. Doing yeah. a much better job, yeah. you know, who were buying whiskeys from all types of distilleries and blending them together. I mean, you think back, like, now a lot of distillers do that themselves. I mean, they have different types of stills or different types of barrels. or Different yeast strains, all that kind of stuff. Well, even just, you know, marrying barrels from two different lots. Exactly. Eight, nine-year-old whiskey. Or different floors or different whatever it is to get those different variables. But then, I mean, you know, it's pretty standard to buy whiskey. And if, you mm-hmm. you know, you're buying it from good distillers, it wasn't well, there were There deal, were plenty but. of good brands that were just purchased and blended of but of, of straight whiskey. Yeah. And yeah, those people got screwed. They definitely did. But on the other hand, 
Uh, I think they were probably the minority. They were yeah. the minority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were, they were a small minority of the people who were blending whiskey. Well, I you love, know? there's an ad that I found from 1903, you know, for old Taylor. It says, Congress has made you an expert, you know, <laughs> in big letters. And made Uncle, you an expert. Right, it says, and, yeah. And like in all caps and Uncle Sam is sitting on top of the bottle and, you know, it's <laughs> that green label, you know, that, that was over the top that, that showed bottled and bonded like that. You know, that became the gold standard, I mean, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I don't – you know, and it really does – you look at the ads through the you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. I mean, it's – you know, people are clearly knew what it meant or knew that it meant it was better. I don't, yeah, it was a premium. Yeah. I mean, I think sadly with the dark times for, for American whiskey and, and cocktails really in general and in America, we, we sort of see – a lot of that knowledge sort of mm -hmm. disappear, and that sort of takes down, you know, bottled. Bottle yeah, and bottle. a lot of the big brands stumbled, and you right. know, like I said, like Overholt was the biggest dry brand, and they lost their bonded claim in the '60s. You know, mm -hmm. and that was that was a real was sort of a sad day. Yeah. I mean, some of them, Old Fitzgerald held the line. Uh, yeah. that, well, there was always a bonded Old Fitz. There, there were some. There were plenty of uh, of, of yeah. I think brands yeah. who tried to hold the line, but. Uh, that gap where people just weren't thinking about bourbon yeah. a yeah. lot went yeah. with that. And then even the Taylor name kind of disappears mm -hmm. too. I mean, it's only Buffalo Trace brings it back. Not, I mean, only – 2009. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's yeah. just, I mean, about, you know, not even 10 years ago really, you know, that it comes back and it's – Yeah, it's so interesting. It's, when that came back, we reacquired that brand. And then so my grandparents' house is probably about a mile and a half from Buffalo Trace. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather – Went and just right after this happened, went and got a bottle of Old Taylor that had been in that house for a hundred years, and gave it to Mark Brown, who's our current president CEO. Oh, nice! And it was in a canister, <laughs> yeah, in the bottle, and Mark took one look at it. And said, yep, that's label. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's the and that's you know, that's that right. Yeah, exactly. and that's the incredible thing about that's it. The, I mean, yeah, yeah. like many of your yeah. whiskeys, it's is pretty in, hard to rare, hard to find. It's but. in high demand, but if you see it on a shelf or at a bar, it's it's kind of nice because it's it's literally like that's what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, this is it just back in time. Taylor, he was just he was a master marketer among yeah, anything. Yeah, the, the yellow label, and then yeah. you know it's uh, I, or I mean, the how he built our distillery. You yeah. know, warehouse C, eighteen eighty one, big massive limestone base, big brick structure, quality bourbon service, quality Asian environment. You know, which, right. which is probably, I mean, at the time, overkill. I mean, I don't. Oh think, yeah, people yeah. think it's crazy. He went bankrupt doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, he was. You have to be way ahead of your time to be relevant with bourbon. Yeah. And we we're just lucky that we've had a successful run of people involved at this distillery. Yeah. From Taylor to Blanton to Elmer to Mark Brown, Harlan Wheatley, that have just been thinking forward. Yeah. Hey, you're right. I, I mean, mean all, really, to to an extraordinary degree, all of them. Yeah, it's been yeah. crazy lucky. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I don't want to go too – like, the single oak project is an insane thing that we that, did in that 1995. Is, that is right. just mind-boggling. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll allow this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you want – I mean, I, I've tasted some where uh, I think the most expensive barrel you ever made was one with Mongolian oak. Which yeah. was like I don't know, I don't know how many oak trees are in Mongolia, but um, <laughs> well, you use both of well, them. Well, <laughs> and I don't know how much they charge for oak. Not right, many, apparently. Right. Yeah. And I remember tasting it in a tasting a couple of years ago with Harlan, um, who's master distiller mm -hmm. of all Buffalo Trace, and that was um, that was really interesting whiskey. I think I could yeah. still taste a little bit of it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, and, and it was amazing because at the end, people, you know, we tasted all these amazing Blantons and. Mm. Some only made for different export markets and duty free different proofs and stuff. So if you're out there in different markets, definitely look out for the Blanton's ones. And um, some of them were incredible. 
And um, he said, okay, show of hands, who who liked, you know, this plant? And I was like, okay, you know, so who liked the Mongolian oak? And like a good third of the people were like, their hands were up. I'm like, what <laughs> What do you normally drink that you like the Mongolian oak one? Like what? What what about it? I mean, it was it was one of those whiskeys where you, I desperately wanted to try it once. Yeah, but yeah. I think I'm okay. Like I don't, you know, if you were if you had some now, I think I would probably pass. But um, for <laughs> the regular public, tying it back, it's just you know when you you think ahead of the consumers are going yeah. to think. And right. Similar with the bottle and bond, you just yeah. have to get ahead of it. But also, you know, you got to experiment, and experimenting is expensive. Yes. You know, if you're thinking of the future, is like, how do we get there? Well, it's never clear. Yeah. So you got to try a bunch of stuff and find what works. Yeah. Yeah. We're very lucky to be privately owned. I yeah. was going to say, yeah. you know, publicly owned or bean counters, not, no. not um, approve this. this. No, it allows in, so much creativity, <laughs> though. We had a meeting a couple weeks ago where the year 20, 2120 came up in serious conversation. <laughs> we were talking about right. plans for okay. 2120, and I okay. said, that is absurd. Dave that and is, I have yeah. also planned yeah. out all of our yeah. episodes yeah. for like uh, behind uh, bar until 2120. 2120, so yeah. Don't worry, we're, we're with yeah. you. So maybe maybe they'll overlap. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of, you know, sort of the rebirth of Taylor is also kind of perfect timing because it's also the rebirth kind of of Bottled and Mond, and now mm-hmm. you see so many whiskeys, even rums, you know, because you can use the designation. Yeah. The designation now. I mean, but, back in the day, there was only uh, bourbon rye that I, that I know of. Bourbon rye, uh, applejack, and uh, corn whiskey were the I, only I ones think, that I remember. I think rum, like that, was kind of the um, like uh, Maggie. Um, yeah, she know, she took advantage of the. Uh, I think she was able to find the TTB wanted mm-hmm, like a historic reference. Yeah. To Rome, and right. I think she was able to find one, and and the, the that was re- rare though, but very rare. Yeah, you, I mean, that's... you all mentioned it earlier. That was the first Consumer Protection Act. So yeah. you know, now everyone that grows up is just used to consumers being protected. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. So they don't have to really think about that. But at that time, that was probably a huge thing. Like, oh wow. Oh like, yeah. This is, yeah. Yeah. It, it was. It was, it was a major selling point. I mean, and, and to look at sales of bonded whiskey right. that soon became a huge part of whiskey sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, never the majority, but it. But it really. Uh, and, and a terrifying part of life. I mean, like you know, butter wasn't butter. Yeah. You know, milk wasn't milk. Like you know, there are all these. You know, you think about Upton Sinclair and, and mm-hmm. the jungle, and all these industries are using you know better living through science, which means that they're using all types of weird chemicals yeah. to treat you know everything. From, all of which you know, are cheaper than, right, than cheaper, doing right. It, right. Or, or, or they're they're able to like unsour milk or yeah. like you know take beef that you know prolong you know the mm. shelf life of canned beef, which not always successful, and, and a lot of people you know got sick or you know died from. You know, all types of crazy, yeah. you know, chemicals that were being used because we really didn't – I mean, we knew that they had certain properties, but I don't think we really I mean, understood how dangerous what, they were. You look what they were putting into whiskey and it was right. it was really not good. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was no – I mean, now obviously, you know, you can't get away with that because of the FDA and stuff, but none of that existed. Yeah. So it really was kind of, you know, a, a wild west when it mm-hmm. came to manufacturing – Anything, you yeah, know. Or, nowadays, well, I think, you know, a lot of people when we're at the store are talking like, why is bourbon popular? What happened? Right. You know, and there's all these different things. But one of the things I think about a lot is just the, you know, the American consumer right now, they want to go to farmer's markets. They want, yeah, to, go, right. they want to know everything they're consuming. Yeah. They want to be craft and local and whatnot. And bourbon lends itself to that story very well, oh, yeah. just because mm-hmm. one, it's pure. And then the bottle and bond act mm-hmm. even more so. Right. You know, it's just a very clear cut. Yeah. This is what you're getting. This is what you're consuming. This is how we made it. We didn't add anything but water. 
Right. Yeah. And people enjoy that and appreciate that. Yeah, that's 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 very strong. Um, I mean, I, I think most distillers use non-GMO, you know, grains. Like that's mm-hmm. always been something yeah. that they've sort of shied away from. And just, distillers yeah. are starting to work with local grains more, right. and you or know, things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is just great. I and, mean, yeah, I mean, you, I think Buffalo Trace has a whole experimental farm, right, with different corn and yes. So we've like, had, you know, planted, harvested, distilled several different uh, varieties of grain. Right. We can't do all of the grain up there. Right. No. It would be nice. <laughs> I mean, a lot of grain. Well, yeah. if, if, if uh, yeah. the way the weather's going, you're going to be yeah. raising sugar cane there soon. <laughs> yeah. The regs for the bottle and bond, even today, I mean, it's quite onerous to mm-hmm. do. It's not really any easier. And I love the ones, there were rules about making bottled and bond um, vodka and gin, which I think are really interesting, mm-hmm. but you have to use a paraffin lined oak container. So like, so that, I, that it not. doesn't get color, yeah, right, or or like, That's so, old. so I'm not sure exactly what the point of a bonded vodka would be if you're aging it for There's four no years, but uh, no point. so you could say it's a bond yeah. vodka or a yeah. bonded gin if they can't actually have wood contact. I don't, yeah. but uh, I Maybe don't. They know. just ran the still at the wrong proof, and then <laughs> yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know. It's I mean, the, you know that, but but those are from back in the day. I mean, that oh, was yeah. that was so so that they could say it's it applies to all categories. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if you do it, there's no reason to do that. But uh, yeah, it's pretty funny though. Yeah, it's I, pretty I mean, funny. They, they call it out is. specifically vodka and gin. I don't yeah. know, like as if they get a lot of questions about that. Yeah. You know, from vodka makers. I want to bond my vodka. I would like to buy a bottle of uh, bonded vodka, yeah. please. I mean, it's going to come. I mean, to yeah. be honest, that's a joke. I mean, it's uh, I've seen age vodka, but I yeah, mean, yeah. oh, but I mean, like the Even bonded, bonded term, I think, yeah. is getting yeah. bottled and bonds getting so popular, mm-hmm. and it will carry such a cachet once again. That we'll see. Well, I think I think it's been a boon for uh, for micro distillers also because yeah. the ones who are serious, who are well capitalized and uh, think strategically, have been able to put out now uh, finally a bonded product, and that's starting to separate them. Like you know, yeah. they're the people who aren't really doing this to the point where they're get able to consistently put a four year old product on yeah. out in the market and they're the ones who are. And, and there's and, a lot of parallels to what yeah. you know yeah. did in the early times versus what it does yeah. now. Yeah. Like, yeah it's I was just, just the bad faith that. actors aren't really bad faith actors today is No, they're they're bad. they're it's yeah. it's different. Exactly. You know, they're they're not doing adulterate product. Yeah. It's just they're not as organized and capitalized, yeah. et cetera, as to be able to do consistently mm-hmm. a four year old product that's you know that's got a label that's on the shelf constantly. And that where it came from. Yeah, and, and that's exactly. a big thing is people yeah. want to know where was this produced. Yeah, and you yeah. and it, it gets tricky too because you know, you if you buy the whiskey from somebody else, which is which is fairly standard yeah. and you know, mm-hmm. for a lot of brands, but the bottle and bond to put it on the label, you have to put the DSP. So a lot of which is basically the distillery license number. Yeah. So every yeah. distillery in America has a DSP number. But well, the problem is a lot of those contracts don't allow you to say where, where you bought from. the whiskey yeah. from. So if I buy whiskey from Dave and Dave's like, sure, here's whiskey, but you can't DSP say that. 271. I, right. But you can't say <laughs> that I made it. <laughs> I, yes. no. I can't actually, <laughs> I own. can't put, I can't put Dave's. DSP number yeah, on yeah. my label. We're 113 Buffalo Trace. Because okay, everybody wow. would know that Dave made it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now I can't actually call it Bald and Bond because I don't have a DSP number to put on. So that's, I mean, it's again, it's a limiting thing. It's, yeah. it's like really you have to be the best yeah. or at least follow the most stringent rules in order to 
you know, um, to make bottle and bond yeah. and even use the term. And, and the regs are very specific about using those words on a label. Like they don't, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff you can put on a label and doesn't really mean anything. And it's fine, whatever, you know, and, and, you know, you could probably yeah. put pure malt and not put malt in. I'm, right. I mean, you mm-hmm. might, you might even, you might be able to get away with. Pure is pure. The FDA kind of looks at FDA right. at, at, at pure. But like the word natural, like yeah, you can not use. Not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah. Everything right? is natural. Right. Yeah. Everything. As long as it exists in nature, right. a lot of the stuff is. Yeah. It's like you when know, I say the little part of meat in this was 100% meat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but they're very specific. It's like English sausages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're very There's specific. technically some pork in there. <laughs> Somewhere. Somewhere. Um, they're also vegan somehow. Um, yeah. But uh, the regs are very, very specific about bonded. I mean, mm. that's one of the few things that, like, mm. there's no getting around. Mm. Like, if you want to put that on a label, which I think is a really fascinating mm. thing. That, Another like, barrier to think about, too, is you're bottling at 100 proof. Right. Yeah. Which – that's expensive. Yeah. Just, Absolutely. And you've got to charge more for the whiskey, which yeah, means your tax is higher yeah, and you're getting yeah. less whiskey out of it. Right. So yeah. it doesn't go as far. Yeah. I mean, it's also one of these things, too, where for a long time, like people would always say more flavor, you know, the higher the proof. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we've wow. seen people blow past, obviously, 100 proof. But it's interesting that that, like E.H. Taylor, I assume that was part of his idea was that. The hundred proof was optimal, you know, like that well, in his mind. Well, know? it was proof, you know, yeah. and proof was uh, right. was was always a powerful concept. I mean, that means we're not, you know, we're not we're not cheating you out of any of this. Yeah, we're right. giving it, you know, we're giving it to you exactly as the government, you know, says. You know, that's the proof spirit is is what we're taxed on. What this is what you're getting. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite customers, Gene Charnas from Warehouse Liquors in Illinois, mm-hmm. and his quote that he always says to me because he's always wanted higher proof. He says, "I want more whiskey in my whiskey." Right. <laughs> Every time. And how you drink it's up to you. I mean, but, you uh, I mean, the world is kind of. Uh, Twenty years ago, uh, the the basis was going down to eighty proof for everything. Oh yeah, you know yeah. to to and, and now it's it's for, especially for American whiskey. It's it's gotten to the point where if you put out a new whiskey, it better be 90 proof at least because otherwise people are going to kind of roll their eyes and not, not be very interested. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> so, a correlation with the longer you drink bourbon, the more you appreciate the higher yeah. if you want. It's, it's also uh, the use in mixology. If, if you're mixing time. drinks with it, uh, an 80 proof whiskey gets mm. lost a lot more easily than, than a 100 proof one. Yeah. And that's drink. why I would say you, know, you can always add water on your own to get yeah. down to 80. Yeah. There's nothing to do with the 80 yeah. to get yeah. back up. Do you have any? Is there any family lore about how E. H. Taylor liked to drink his whiskey, or is that the? There's a lot of family lore. More of it is how it went how he went about building everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like one of my favorite stories. You know, this is probably un, un uh, verified, but this is my grandfather would always talk about how Taylor would come up here and throw old Taylor bottles all around, in the trash cans along Wall Street. So people would see old Taylor bottles <laughs> in the genius. trash cans. Or he'd send, he'd send people into bars around Wall Street to right. ask for his brand. Yeah, yeah, right. If yeah. it wasn't there, they would leave, knowing right. it wasn't there. Yeah. Just right. so just it was an so easier they pitch would, to get him to come in and do that. Or they would – it's – I mean – That's classic. That's, you know, that's what uh, the guy who's built Heineken in America right. did. Just, <laughs> right. There was also the idea that maybe the term even branding comes from the Yeah, Taylor. I mean yeah. – so what's yeah, interesting with Taylor, too, is he was born in Kentucky, moved to New Orleans, and mm-hmm. on his way to New Orleans, his dad died. And so he was raised by his, uh, I guess, great-grandfather? Mm-hmm. Zachary Taylor raised him. So he learned banking, you know, just business mm-hmm. world when he was working for Zachary Taylor. And that's where he was, like, into the finance industry, and he was training, uh, trading grains, you know, mm-hmm. trading commodities as grains. 
then started a bank, and then it went under right uh, during the Civil War. So after the Civil War is when he got into bourbon. All right. And he went and did a tour around Europe, and he just learned how they're making whiskey over there. And then he brought back everything he learned and opened up the OFC distillery and just made it this state-of-the-art distillery. It was, you know, all back to the, you know, everything had to be the utmost class, the right. best the best of the best. It was a long-term play. You know, it was like the Amazon approach. She was just, yeah. you know, we're I not going to make I, any money anytime soon. I know I know he went bankrupt once in uh, 1877, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think he did several times yeah. over, to be honest. Uh, he disappeared for a few months. Yeah. <laughs> he just went up to Canada, threw his hands up in the air. And then he went back and, and settled all of his debts and, yeah. you know, and all that and then started again. But it yeah. must have been discouraging, you know. He was a, a modern-day CEO. You know, he right. had his mm-hmm. hand in the grain receiving, the financials, the production operations, but he was a master marketer. That mm-hmm. was like his real forte. Yeah. It was a master marketer. And we were talking earlier, and I think it was old foresters to put whiskey into bottles. Yeah. And before that, it was all barrels on back bars. And he wanted his barrels to stand out amongst the crowd. So, you know, at the time, they're using cow brands to Mm brand cows. And he turned that into a E.H. Taylor brand. And when brand is barrel heads, polish up the barrel so they would stand out on the back bar. So according, you know, this is me quoting Mike Beach from like a seminar I listened Mm -hmm. to him like 10 years ago. He said the term branding came from Taylor doing that. No, it's pretty big, pretty big yeah. uh, guess there, you know. Yeah, know. I'm, I'm not I'm not entirely convinced. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, you know, that's why I don't tell it very – Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean he must have done something to, to make it stick out, yeah. you know. And, but that also led yeah. to a lot of people infringing on his trademark. Right. Yeah. And a lot of that led to the Bottle and Bond Act, which yeah. was he was just sick of dealing with people, you know, as he called it, imitation whiskey, whether they were mm-hmm. making fake whiskey or making whiskey try to look like right. his. And that was pretty common both in Scotland and America where yeah. you have a lot of – bottles that have very similar names or, you know, they, they take part of mm-hmm. the name, but add in a second name. And obviously the bottle and bond, that green stripe, the tax stamp on top, couldn't get around mm-hmm. that. I mean, there's no faking that. Also, it showed people that we can make money doing it straight. We don't have to do this stuff, you know, uh, because the bottled and bond stuff was all very successful. And uh, so people people really responded. The customer, it turned out that's what the customer wanted. Yeah. And they I think wanted it, a, a, a better whiskey, a pure whiskey. It speaks to the product, too. If you yeah. make bourbon the way it's you know, technically supposed to be made, mm-hmm. it's going right. to be good for the most part. I mean, yeah. There's people you can do it bad, but it's hard. Though. It's, it's harder. That's it's hard. it's, it's like, you know, there isn't a lot. Is be yeah. good. There isn't a lot of terrible bourbon <laughs> yeah. on the market, at least until the uh, some of the micro distillers uh, found a way. <laughs> some of them were releasing them a little premature. Yeah, but they were. They it, were it was hard to do what they were trying to do. Uh, I know that. You know, I would put the uh, I'd put the bottle on the right. table and it would suddenly throw itself over and roll around in a tantrum. <laughs> you know, yeah. I knew it was probably too young. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. They were up against it, too, you think. Oh, yeah. They oh, need yeah. to make some sort of oh, it's worse. And then, like, you know, we have a bottle of 10-year-old Eagle Rare that's yeah. delicious for 30 bucks, and they're selling a three- right. or four-year-old for 60 Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I sympathize, you yeah. know, always. But uh, – and, and, and a lot of them have come through yeah. uh, and have, are – Sort of filling up the niches that there used to be in the business for smaller local brands. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like this is going to be pretty good, and some of them are quite good now. But uh, you know, they're they're going to they're always going to be smaller brands, and we're going back to the ecosystem as it was in 1900 when there were big brands and small brands, and there was room for both. So hopefully, you know, we'll get that. And we're seeing some even as as we were talking about before coming back to you know bottled and bond, and that becoming again. You know, something, you know, that bartenders, drinkers, you know, whiskey collectors are, are definitely looking for. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. 
less excited that the price has gone up for bottled and bond whiskeys, but I'm excited that there are more bottled and bond whiskeys and it's definitely easier to find them. Yeah. And, and today is, you know, a very important day in, in both whiskey history and American history. I agree with yeah. Dave. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it led Pure Food and Drug Act 1906 I, and then FDA yeah. creation from it. So it was yeah. a big, big day. I'm going to have to go home and, and crack my, uh, <laughs> my one bottle of Old Taylor tonight. Exactly. So, uh, I don't which, know. Which one do you have? I think it's Old Fashioned Sour it's Mash. Old fashioned. Yeah. yeah. We'll celebrate Balmain tonight, today, uh, and, and I think yeah. Dave and I probably most of the year. Most um, of the year. Most of the yeah. year, but uh, we encourage you all to uh, go out and uh, have a glass of Baldwin Bond uh, bourbon tonight. So uh, cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Dave and I encourage you to drink responsibly always. 